all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. You're listening to a podcast of Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning. This is Relatively Speaking, the show all about you and your family. Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Self-image, self-esteem, and self-efficacy are not all the same, but all can affect the way that you approach life and how successful you are in life. So today we'll talk about how physical appearance or your perception of your physical appearance and changes that we think are needed, how they may or may not affect your self-image and your self-esteem and probably ultimately your self-efficacy. And we'll talk about how you separate each one of those things out. But today I'm delighted that we have Dr. Randy Jordan, facial plastic surgeon, who will help us understand maybe when cosmetic procedures are appropriate, what they can do, what they cannot do. And um, I, I know he's been on the show uh, several times before. Thanks for coming back and being with us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a delight. So, listeners, I'm going to throw a few questions out there that I want you to think about as we're moving through the show, and I want you to call in um, when you have some some thoughts about this. So, listeners, what do you think affected your self-image? Did you have an experience, a positive or negative, that either really helped you develop a good self-image or someone did did someone do something that perhaps may have damaged your self-image do you think that your self-esteem is linked to your self-image what you see when you look in the mirror who you think you are when you look there and here's another question for you if a child is not happy with her nose or his ears, at what age do you think it's okay to let them decide that they need surgery? Or do you think at any age it's okay? So those are some questions I wanted to throw out there. And um, it looks like we may have our first caller. Are we ready for that caller, Michelle? Yeah. Well, let's jump to the phones. Hi, Lisa and Mobile. I'll make it as short as possible. Um, pretty much when I was in my late 30s, I got diagnosed with vitiligo, mm-hmm. and um, it was really bad, and um, it really messed me up for several years before I could, um, you know, just kind of really cope with it to where now I'm not really ashamed of it. I don't try to drench myself in makeup. I just... I just live my life like, uh, 
normal person, but as a woman especially, it was very difficult to deal with. And um, so I just wanted to call and say that. And, you know, also I wanted to know by chance if there are any, I don't know, new treatments um, for vitiligo. Thanks, Lisa, for that call. And just for our listeners, vitiligo is a condition in which you basically um, lose the the pigment, the melanin in your skin. Um, and so um, especially, it's especially visible on individuals who are have darker skin, so more melanin in um, your skin pigmentation. Um, this is a great time to bring Dr. Jordan in. Dr. Jordan, you hear Lisa. I, Lisa, I understand that you likely struggled with that. And I, I have a couple of questions for you. But before I ask you, um, let's ask Dr. Jordan about vitiligo and the treatment or, or if there is anything. Well, Lisa, I'm happy to hear that you've learned to deal with some of the problems that vitiligo can cause because I think it's a very common problem that mm-hmm. many people don't under, understand. And like many other skin disorders are similar to this, that you know, it, it, the, the patients who have these are seriously troubled by them sometimes, but most other people who don't have them don't really appreciate what they can cause for you. But vitiligo itself, uh, as we've talked about, is a problem with pigmentation changes, and we really don't fully understand understand why it happens to people uh, but there are there are some uh, there's a lot of research going on in the treatment of vitiligo but there's not any really successful as you're well aware it's a very difficult problem to treat there's not any really really successful techniques currently available that are used commonly for vitiligo there's, there's quite a deal of hope uh, from the research that's being done uh, in, in that uh, particular problem anyway but yeah I'm you know I wish I could tell you there was a great answer for it but there is nothing currently I know of that really is all that effective for it uh, at this time. But I'm very happy to hear that you've been able to deal with your problem. Yeah. You know, um, my brother-in-law actually has vitiligo. He's a big tennis player. He's Mediterranean. And um, so had been in the sun a lot. And um, it became very obvious as he got older um, that, that the vitiligo uh, became apparent and um, and it's pretty significant in some areas of course I guess sometimes men don't struggle with issues as much as we women do sometimes and sometimes people make comments or ask questions that sometimes are just so damaging to how you feel Lisa I just wonder did you ever have an experience where somebody said something cruel or hurtful as you are already mentally struggling with this? Uh, yeah, especially in the beginning. And, I mean, grown people mm-hmm. said a lot of hurtful things. And, um, you know, sometimes people aren't sure if they can touch you, if it's contagious. They they honestly just don't know. And for me personally, um, now that I'm over it, I feel like um, – you know, your your energy can shift other people's energy around you because now I hear a lot more comments like, oh, you're so beautiful, mm-hmm. you're so rare, um, and I have a lot more people who just want to know 
more about it. And I love those questions because then I get a chance to explain to them what it is so they can be more understanding um, when they see the next person. Um, in the beginning, I would have done anything anybody would have told me to try to get rid of the spots. But now that I'm comfortable with myself, um, you know, at one point I was offered to be able to bleach my skin because my vitiligo is pretty bad. And I actually chose to to not do that. And now I just use it as a teaching mechanism. So, Lisa, what do you think helped you deal with this issue? What What is there probably not one single thing that you can point at, but what do you feel helped you overcome your feeling, your negative feelings about this early on? Um, to be honest, I had a friend who was suffering from cancer. And one day I went to the dermatologist and they were basically saying, you know, like, there's nothing that we can do for you. And I was just uh, devastated because I was actually kind of a vain person. I didn't realize it at that time. But she listened to every single word I said, and she cried with me. And then she told me that she literally, that her cancer came back, and she just had a few months to live. And mm. at that point, I realized that what I was dealing with was nothing in the, the scope of, of life. And all, she lived for several years after that, but that empowered me to just be myself and to just move on regardless. Because at the end of the day, if you're blessed, you have to live life. And that's what got me through it. Wow, what a story. That's a very touching story. Very touching and beautiful, Lisa. And I honestly think you probably just helped some of our listeners out there by hearing how you've dealt with this. Now, um, it sounds like you not only have a good self-image now, but also good self-esteem. That's what's helped propel you forward. Um, and so thank you for that call. I think it was perfect. And I'm glad no you, <laughs> I'm glad you accepted um, and, and value yourself because you have a lot of value there. Thank you, and we we all do. You know, I hear people talk about temples or their breast size, and, you know, we can always find so many things to complain about, but we really have to give thanks for what's good and what's right about us. And um, like my mom used to say, if there's something on you that you don't like, just emphasize what you do like and just keep it moving. Mm. Great advice. That's right. Accentuate the positive. That's Perfect. right. Right. Thank you well, thank so you much, so Lisa. Much. Enjoy your day. God bless. Thank you. Same to you. Before our next break, I want to go to Gail in Long Beach because she has some questions about a facial accident. And thank goodness we have Dr. Jordan here. Gail, hi. Thanks for calling. Hi. How are you? Doing well. Thank you. Well, uh, when I was probably about 18 months old, I acquired uh, a facial injury that was basically for my lower lip, internal mouth, you know, infecting the tongue and things like that. And over the years, you know, there was a lot of reconstruction, removing scar tissue, but the scar tissue in, and, uh, just because I was growing. But during this time of 
missing a lot of school throughout my entire life, there was the bullying, the stares. And I'm not just talking about a kid, I'm talking about some adults. When people would stare and my mother would be with me, she'd be in tears. Mm. And she was going to, you know, verbally snap back at them, you know, for being so rude. And it caused, I realized as I've gotten older, that it impacted me in staying out of the limelight of all the things I could have done and I didn't because I didn't want more attention brought to myself. Mm -hmm. Now, mind you, I am now 62 years old. I've been in this for 38 years. Um, I have, I'm married, I have children, I have grandchildren, you know, and in those respects, yes, I am successful, but it has only been the last couple of years that I can go out of the house without a ton of makeup. Hmm. So what happened? I'll ask the question that Dr. Jordan will if I don't. What what happened that in the last couple of years that made you realize that it was okay to be you and to present yourself as you were? What happened there? I, I really don't know. I mean, up until that point, I would avoid mirrors or windows that have reflections in and. Then I find myself looking into those mirrors and not seeing something bad, but seeing me and that this is who I am. I love it. I think if more of us would look at ourselves in the mirror with love rather than with what can I fix or what's wrong with me or why don't I look like whoever we want to look like, um, it would it would make our life much better. And, you know, our previous caller who called in, um, she, she has embraced her vitiligo and she has been able to step forward and and maybe teach people and help other people learn how to to deal with whatever issue they may have I, it just sounds like um you have you have come a long way uh, dr jordan you know when you and i were talking about doing this show we talked about how Sometimes people, Gail, you mentioned, even adults, people who know better or should know better, who say hurtful things that can be so very damaging, right? And many, many, I think many people don't think about what they say. I don't think most of them don't intend to be cruel Mm. or mean, but they just don't think about what they're saying and what effect it has on the other person, particularly people who have some sort of a facial injury or some other problem like that. Um, and it's, uh, I, I, I see the effects of it all the time uh, in patients who have had someone say something to them that was probably just an offhand remark for that person uh, that wasn't intended necessarily to hurt their feelings, but that person lived with it for a long time. And uh, and could not let go of it sometimes for a long time. But I'm I'm so happy to hear that you had a very successful life. It sounds like, despite your early difficult experiences, that I'm sure were extremely difficult for you. Well, there was a 
just want to, just like to mention, I lived up in Jersey, and during the summer months, you know, we all be getting jobs, or at least trying to. And I could never secure a job. Nobody would hire me. And I went to this little uh, place that was on the boardwalk, and I guess it would be kind of considered a cafe. And the gentleman told me um, that he had no openings. And I was like, okay, and I started walking out. He said, and if I did, I wouldn't hire you anyway because looking at you, you would make people sick while they were eating. And I have never forgotten that. I was 16 years old. And for some reason, I can still see it to this day. Wow. I don't doubt that. I never, so I have, that's why I guess I never went into the food industry, even though cooking is one of my passions. Huh, Gail, isn't that a shame? Uh, listeners, do you hear what sometimes people do? Uh, that was just mean. That was a terrible thing that happened. And I'm sorry that you are not um, able to forget that, but I understand why. Um, when After we go to the break, I, I do, I think we have a couple of stories that we can tell um, about same kind of issues that have happened. And um, just, I think just sharing that sometimes, um, hopefully, will stop others and make them stop and think before they say ridiculous hurtful things like that they stay with you gail 62 that happened when she was 16 that's a long time ago that's a long time ago but gail you know what i'm so happy we are both so happy that you've came come through this as well as you have and that you are successful and i hope you go into the food industry and do something with that if you love it embrace it and do it there'll be plenty of people out there who will embrace you so thanks for that call gail thanks for taking my call have a good day absolutely Okay, I think we're going to go to our first break. And when we come back, we have Linda um, holding on, but we have open lines. I'd love to hear from more of you about your stories, about your thoughts, about self-esteem, self-image, what you've been through perhaps, or maybe some other experiences of friends of yours. Give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-672. 7464, or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. I'm here with Dr. Randy Jordan. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and we'll be right back. The entire foundation of your child's brain is being built in the first five years of life. This construction is strengthened through the child's interactions with others. Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. The good news is you have what it takes to be a brain builder. Learn more at MississippiThrive.com. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Well, 
Welcome back, and thanks for listening. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress here with Dr. Randy Jordan, who is a facial plastic surgeon, and we are talking about self-image, self-esteem, and self-efficacy. Let, let me just define a couple of things for you before we go to our next caller. So uh, I wanted to talk first about how self-image is developed. Um, and as you probably heard from a couple of callers, it is a product of learning. It is not, you're not born with your self, self-image, right? Early childhood influences like parents, caregivers, um, majorly affect. It could be strangers, though, who who can majorly affect your self-image. Those people, those individuals are the mirrors that are reflecting back what, what we hear they see, and so that's what we see when we look in the mirror. So, you know, it could be a teacher, it could be a friend, um, or a family member that has made, made or broken your self-image. So I just wanted to make sure that, that you understood that. It is, not, it is truly something that, that, that other people sort of make for you. Um, we'll talk about self-esteem um, a little bit, too. But before that, I want to go ahead and get to Linda in Port Gibson. Hi, Linda. Thanks for calling. Um, can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Oh, um, I I know what the other callers have. Uh, I know what they're going through mm-hmm. because uh, although I have a degree and uh, I worked in the Washington area for 17 years. And after I retired, I came back to Mississippi. Uh And I'm still uh, treated. Uh, Like uh, a lot of people here equate, uh, uh, you have a physical disability, or if you, like for instance, I have a, but, uh, I have a, one of my ears is smaller, and I have a big complex about that because they equate that with lack of intelligence. Hmm. Uh, and uh, uh, I don't like to be around a lot of people because I need to know if into in today's uh, market, is there something that I can do, or is there uh, an operation that I can do uh, for my for my ears? So smaller. Being, so your ears are small, and one you, of them. One okay, um, and so your question to Doctor Jordan is: Is there anything that you can do about that? And you feel like have have people talked to you about the fact that oh um, something's wrong with you? You must not be very smart because your yes. your ears look funny. Yeah, yeah. Mm. They, yes, they have, and also they uh, made fun of my eyes. And I was glad that my parents supported me. 
and my my brothers and sisters treated me as though mm-hmm. I wasn't less in the family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a great thing. So your family was supportive. It was outsiders, strangers, perhaps. Dr. Jordan, um, any thoughts about Linda's question? Well, I'm glad your family was supportive. I'm sure I'm sure that helped you quite a bit. So the question about your ear is um, exactly how much smaller is the small ear? Is it otherwise normal in shape, or is it also um, deformed more than just being small? Deformed, yes. Right. Yes. I had surgery back in 72, and they couldn't do anything. So I wanted to know in today's market, can something be done about it? Well, so for people who've already had previous surgery on a deformed ear or auricular malformation is what medical the medical term for that anyway, ear malformation. And if people have already had surgery for that, there is the possibility of making a prosthetic ear for that ear. And prosthetic ears are basically made out of plastic, and they use magnets to be mounted onto the side of the head. And those can look very, very good. It's a very complex situation uh, to do that, and usually only done in much larger cities such as Atlanta or Houston, etc. Yeah. But um, that, yeah, that's absolutely something that can be done. And I'll tell you, the results from those prosthetic ears, it's not surgery for, per se, but it's uh, the, the, there is a surgery involved to put the mounting system onto the side of the head. Uh, and then once that is healed and is stable, then the ear can mount onto it with magnets, and it's very securely mounted. And the uh, prosthetic ears, they look good. They look very natural and very normal. So that's something that you might consider pursuing. I've actually, Linda, I've actually seen um, an individual with a prosthetic ear, and it it looked, um, they they were showing me, and it looked um, amazing. I never would have known it. So that's something to think about. Um, I have a question um, that Linda may or may not want to ask. So what about the the oracle um, that's malformed, does that get removed and then the prosthetic, or does it fit over? Oh, no, it has, to be, it has to be removed. It has typically. to be removed. Yeah, it has to right. be removed. You can't, you generally can't mount a prosthetic ear over a, a partially malformed ear. So the, the, the surgery that's used to recreate a, a malformed ear can be very, very complicated. I don't know what you had right. done, but it can involve rib, rib harvesting of rib grafts and so on. And it is not as successful as one would like typically. Uh, and that's why I think prosthetic ears are commonly uh, utilized in this situation. Linda, I hope that was helpful. Appreciate you calling. Um, it yeah. sounds like you were successful working. working no, in, I have not. Um, yes, I was successful yeah. working in uh, the Washington in the Defense Department for yeah. seventeen years. Wow! And uh, in computer science and that. Yeah. But when I come back to Mississippi, it's like that. Don't mean anything. You're still different. Huh. And you're less, and you're not intelligent. You know, somebody always got to ask, uh, well, do this for her, or can she do this? Uh, yeah. Oh. Unfortunately, that's that is the way um, some people are. They assume the worst instead of the best. And they stare. Yeah. And they stare, yeah. and even grown folks do it. And I'm 62 years old, and I still have low self-esteem. 
So it might be worthwhile moving forward um, to 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 see if perhaps you're interested in that surgery that that Dr. Jordan mentioned. But one thing that we do want to talk about as we move along is that sometimes a cosmetic fix is not going to always improve self-esteem. So you have to yes. make sure that you separate out um, the two the two things and see how else can you work on that self-esteem. Um, if it was damaged to... And, and self-esteem, just to make sure we remember what it is, is it's the, the overall sense of respect for ourselves. Um, and it involves how favorable we feel about ourselves. So, um, Linda, it sounds like we need to work on that, too. And you need to realize that you have value no matter what outwardly is there, that inwardly you have incredible intelligence and you have self-worth. So um, those are. we'll talk about that more. I know we need to go to our next break. Yeah. Um, when we come, thank you for that call, Linda, and good luck. Um, when we get back, we're going to um, talk to Edward and Jackson. Hang on, Edward. And we'll continue about to talk about self-esteem, self-image, and how it's made or broken. Um, we have open lines. You can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and we'll be right back. Dr. Susan Buttress. Parents are a child's first teacher. Children make connections to the growing world around them through back and forth interactions. Parents and other caregivers can help children learn communication and social emotional skills by talking, reading, and singing each day. More information at MississippiThrive.com. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back, and thanks for listening. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and I'm here with Dr. Randy Jordan, facial plastic surgeon, who is answering questions or helping you through any kinds of thoughts, problems you have about your self-image. Perhaps it is affecting your self-esteem um, and then your ability to have real self-efficacy. Believe in yourself. Believe that you can step through life and you can really achieve something and that you go forward to achieve it. So that's our goal, right? That's where we want to go. So give us a call. Join the conversations about perhaps questions about your facial injury, just maybe questions about just the way you look, give us a call, one eight seven seven mpb ring That's 877-672-7464. 
All right, straight to the phone. Um, let's go to Edward in Jackson. Hi, Edward. Hi, how you all doing this morning? I'm doing great. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Listen, I was brought up by a uh, tough Irish woman from the west side of New York who was born before World War One, when there was a United States. And she always taught me that if somebody's looking at you and they don't like what they're looking at, they can just look away. And she would, and she would be had the last word on anything. She taught me uh, those people have a problem, not you. You know, and uh, that poor lady that that got rejected from that employer who wouldn't hire her. I got a little. There's two things that she can do. <laughs> there's a song you never walk alone. That's given me a lot of inspiration, and also the Jet song from West Side Story. Play those things and and and. and and put yourself in those positions and, and, and bring yourself up and don't let anybody put you down because they're the one with the problem, not you. You're the, you're, you're a good human being. You're, you're like that one lady, she worked uh, 17 years in Washington. She'll be proud of herself and not anybody take it away from her. And that's about all I really got to say. I'm not, I'm not that guy that uh, told her he wouldn't hire somebody need to take him to the woodshed. <laughs> <laughs> Some, yeah, indeed, I can certainly agree with you on that. Man, I'll tell you what, you have plenty of self-esteem. I'd say that for you. That's great. That's fabulous. Yeah, that is wonderful. Your mother did a fabulous job, and I don't think I could have said it better than you, Edward. Uh, you just, uh, and and that's what I've told my children, and I've told patients that, that when people say that kind of mean-spirited stuff to you, Typically, they're the ones with the issue. They're the ones with the problems. And they are probably the ones who have very poor self-esteem and self-image. But So maybe we should feel sorry for them. I don't well, know. They're trying to make themselves feel better by making right. you feel worse, which is a very sick idea. But unfortunately, many people ascribe to that theory, I think. so. Absolutely. You can't let them get away with it. That's the thing. If you if, if they do that and you let them get away with it, they're going to keep on doing it. If you don't stand up in their face and tell them, no matter how much trouble you can, you know, like, like I got a lot of whippings when I was a kid. There was this, this old Irish woman. There was no, you know, go to your room stuff. You know, you got a good whipping. And, and, and that's the trouble with the kids today. Like, all these different laws and everything, you know. You got a good, stern parent that puts you in your place and, and, and teaches you that respect. That's, that's just something that this country now there's no respect and there's no discipline. Yeah. Well, okay, Edward, I'm going to just let our listeners know I'm not 100% in agreement with you about having to spank kids to teach them respect because I grew up in a household where none of us, there were eight, eight kids, none of us got spanked, but I'm telling you, we got called down and there were always consequences if something didn't happen as it should. So I agree with you. Um, I think we need to have good, consistent parenting and and not let people get away. I, you know, I am sure that the previous caller wished many times that she'd turn around and said something back to him and probably it sounds like, has replayed that in her mind over and over again. Um, so I, I would encourage people that, you know, to it's okay to turn around. You know, she could have just turned around, looked him square in the eye, and said, wow, that was mean. And just to say that, so he knew that she was going to turn around and look hard at him. Um, but um, hopefully this show will maybe get people to understand they have to stop and think before they say something. 
Okay. Um, well, Edward, thank you for that. Michelle has some questions. Michelle, jump in. Morning. Good morning. Thank you for being here, Dr. Jordan. We talked previously before the show, but I do want to ask my question on the air so you can say what you said earlier. Two things. Um, I asked you about uh, when is too much too much and can a doctor make that decision for a patient, a reoccurring patient that continues to come uh, to get their face done or get certain things done, does a doctor have a right to stop or say, no, I can't go any further? And two, Dr. Butchers, you were saying there is a syndrome. Uh, there is a diagnosis about that where someone's getting too much surgery done. Yeah, the mm-hmm. body dysmorphia. Okay, so two two questions to you, um, Dr. Jordan. One, um, do you ever just tell a patient um, too much, too much? Well, I think it's, yeah, certainly. And I think most of the time that comes up where someone is wanting something that you cannot do, that you can't make happen for them surgically, for instance. Uh, and I think it comes up in uh, nose surgery, particularly reshaping of nose is what we call rhinoplasty, very commonly, where patients will come in and uh, their nose is one shape and they want it to be something completely different. And you have to just say at that point, that's not something that I think can be done or I can't do that anyway at this point, you know. Um, and then the other situation that comes up, of course, is that nowadays you see this with um, the uh, dermal fillers that are used um, typically for different sorts of facial aging, et cetera. And some patients become, and you see this on the Real Housewives and things like that, people who are just clearly overinflated with fillers. And uh, it, it is difficult to say to a patient, you know, this is enough, you don't need any more. But so, at some point you have to say, you know, we need to let this, we need to leave this alone for a while, let this settle down, uh, let's give it six months or whatever, you know, it takes to, to, to let things, uh, some of the swelling go down, et cetera. You don't want people to look abnormal. That's not something that you should be striving for, of course. And, but it's a difficult subject. And I don't think people want to hear that from their physician either, yeah. for sure. Yeah, that that must be a really really tough area, I think. Um and and we've seen it in famous actors um who have gone through numerous surgeries and and you take this beautiful individual or very handsome individual who who doesn't even look a modicum like they looked um originally. So but I know that can happen, right? Right. Different, yeah. not better. Yeah, different, <laughs> yeah. not better. Yeah. yeah. Hey, all of us can think of people that we know of that are, as you say, celebrities that have been have gone too far, you know, have done too much from yeah. that standpoint. And that's not anything anybody wants. No. Um, along those same lines, um, you know, I threw out the question to the listening audience. Um, and, and listeners, I'd love for you to call in um, about this, too. Um when you have a child who who is really bothered by their ears or by their nose, for example, and feel like that people are staring at them, um, do you think there's an age in which they should parents should wait, or should they go ahead and support their child? What would you recommend? Yeah, you know that's that's interesting because I've been mean, typically speaking for. Um, children that have what we call prominotia or prominent ears or people call them lop ears, you know, the people who have the ears that stick out way to the side. Um, 
it's usually recommended that they undergo corrective surgery before the age of five uh, because for two reasons. Number one, the ear is still relatively soft and pliable at that point. It's easier to reshape it, but also because that is an age which they enter formal schooling and are more likely to be bullied by other children or made fun of by other children. So there's definitely a thought of doing it early, doing something early on to uh, in, in order to avoid some of the problems that they might experience in school. I mean, this is medical textbooks are full of this statement sure. actually anywhere. Now, when you speak in, speak of nose reshaping surgery, well, we're more cautious with this because the nose does actually change a lot as you grow older. So most of the time, we're going to try to wait until they're at least 15 or 16 to really talk about that because the shape is going to change. So you as a surgeon need to want, you want to see what the shape is going to be like before you try to redefine it, of course. Ears are different. Ears don't really change, even though we all talk about our ears growing more as we get older. <laughs> they they actually don't really get any bigger. They just get longer. The earlobes get longer. They stretch out. But they don't really get bigger. But anyway, but the nose does change quite a bit uh-huh. over time anyway so i i think you know you, you know for the for the one thing for the for the thing that you're concerned about the child having a situation where other children are going to make fun of them such as the prominent ear problem it may be justified to do that at an earlier age but for most things most cosmetic surgery um i think the child needs to be a good bit older mm-hmm. really at least a, an older adolescent you know where they, they say your brain doesn't really mature to your 25 but but at least to be <laughs> i'm not sure it's even older and older than that maybe but nevertheless uh it needs to be you need to be older enough to where they can participate in the decision-making with guidance from the parents as well, I think. Right. Okay. Um, You have a really good story about um, someone who came to you. I don't know if you want to share that. Well, I have lots of good stories, but this one, the one you're thinking, speaking about, I think, is somebody I saw recently who told me a really interesting story. She came in because she felt like her earlobes were very large, uh, and she wanted them to be made smaller, which is something that we do very commonly, actually. And uh, you know, she told me, she said, you know, I, I went to see this doctor because I had this other medical problem when I was five years old. I remember my mom took me to see this doctor, and the doctor looked at me and said, my, you know, you're such a pretty young lady, but your ears are so big. <laughs> and she was bothered by that. For the, she told me, I've been thinking about this. She, she's her. like 50 years old, you know. Yeah. And she I've been thinking about this for the rest of my life. Uh, it's bothered me all this time. And I, I was, you know, I thought that was an interesting. The doctor, the doctor said that to her, which is, you know, not a very good idea, obviously, for them to have done that, you know. But people just don't have much self-awareness of what they say. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just amazes me at the lack of self-awareness sometimes. But I'm with Edward. I think sometimes people, it would have been fun had that woman turned around to that doctor and said, well, you know, your nose is pretty big. <laughs> probably could have easily said something like that, too. But you have to be fast in that situation. <laughs> yeah, you and, have to be and, quick. And when you're five, that. you're not going to be you're fast. Not, at you're not very quick. You know, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, Sue has been patiently waiting in Beaumont. Hi, Sue. Thanks for calling. Thank you. How are y'all doing today? Doing well. Thank you. I think people with, I call it physical quirks, like the lady with a small ear, I think they're the most interesting people because they've suffered more and been through more than us regular, I guess, with regular people. But I always thought that people with quirks, physical quirks, are the most interesting people. And if I was that lady with that small ear, I would pull my hair back, go get seven or eight piercings in that little ear and put some little earrings in all those little holes and celebrate that ear. As long as you can hear well from out of that ear, if your hearing is okay, I mean, what the hell? What does it matter what, what people think about your ear? <laughs> you know? Spoken Don't by someone. That ear. That, that, 
it's, it's fine hearing. There's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> Spoken by someone with lots of self-esteem. Right, <laughs> good self-esteem, see. That's great. But what, what I, had, I, I ran upon a lady one time at Walmart, and she had a physical quirk in her face. One of her eyes was smaller than the other. But I'm a nurse. I couldn't help it. I said, I said to her, you have the most beautiful eyes. Her, she had these green eyes. They were just gorgeous. I said, you have the most beautiful eyes that I have ever seen. But I'm a nurse. Could I ask you? You know what what happened to that one eye smaller than the other. If you approach it like in a curiosity sort of thing, not not being uh, abusive about it or being right. castigate somebody, people are anxious to talk about it. And uh, you can always find something beautiful about a person. You know, that's just my opinion. Well, you're right, and I think um, if you probably made that woman's day that you looked in her eyes because a lot of times when people see some sort of physical difference, they'll look away from an individual. And our very first caller um, talked about being happy that people look at you and perhaps even ask a question, but if they do it in a polite, kind way, um, it it's it's so different than if somebody just says something hurtful without thinking. You were going to say something, Doctor. No, I just I would agree with what you said. I, I think that yeah, you know, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting idea or it's an interesting thought. To think about that that person is more unique than everybody else, right? Mm-hmm. That we, you know, that every every one of us is an individual, but those people are particularly more unique than yeah. than the rest of us who are more average. I would say. Yeah, yeah, I like that, Sue. That was that was a good. Um, way to point out that we are all unique, some more unique than others, and sometimes we just need to learn how to embrace that. So thanks for that call. That was great. Um, I think we might have time for another caller. If you would give us a call quickly at 877-MPB-RING, that's 877-672-7464. Let's talk a little bit about, I think um, Michelle had just whispered in my ear that we should bring up self-esteem and social media and what social media has done to to damage self-esteem, self-image also, not just self-esteem. And while we're talking about that, I think I just want to point out again, I think everybody listening probably in the back of their mind knows this, but they don't always realize this. They see these pictures on Facebook of actresses or they they hear about things um, and, and they don't realize that so many times things are retouched when people put photos up on Facebook, they when they're in magazines, they are always retouched so that you have the perfect, not just a perfect um, nose, but the perfect complexion, the perfect eyes, the perfect size of your eyes, the length of your face. Um, if you if you really look into that, and we did this a couple of years ago, how um, you can so change things that it's nothing like that individual really looks. Right, Dr. Jordan? Yeah, you know, USA Today, I believe it's USA Today, publishes a list every week or every month of the five most downloaded apps 
And out of that, four of them are actually almost always gaming apps, games. Uh-huh. But one of them is almost always a uh, image modifying, like Facetune or something like that. That people. So this is, these are the five most popular apps every. And this has been going on for years now. Because I, I look at it, and it's always some kind of a image modification app that people are using with Instagram or TikTok or whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, from that standpoint. So yeah, it's very popular. I, I don't think you can believe anything you see on right. social media hardly at all. Right. Uh, and and probably not much else on on the web or any place else that you see it because, like you say, they're all being mo- most of these things are being modified now by people. Well, so um, yeah, I think that if if we work toward our positive qualities and look toward our positive qualities and try not to focus on perhaps some tiny imperfection, we will be a lot better off. And um, so, obviously. Facial plastic surgery has its place. And I know you do a lot of excellent reconstructive from injuries, right, Dr. Jordan? I do. And And I know for people who have had um, a significant injury or scarring or uh, disfigurement from an accident or injury, it can, it can change your life to have a good outcome, right? Sure. Well, our goal is to, you know, is to try to get you back to close to where you were before the injury is, is possible. Right. Uh, sometimes it's not possible depending on the degree of injury, but you always want to try to do the best you can to get you back to, to normal or at least is good enough where the other people don't really notice or can't really notice what mm-hmm. the injury was or what the problem is. But some things just are not, it's just not possible to completely reconstruct some types of injuries, you know, severe burn injuries, et cetera. And, uh, you know, you've seen the, 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 the worldwide, you've seen the influence of face transplants on oh, right. uh, on victims of severe injuries that have taken place. Uh, and, and now there have been you know, several dozen of these done, you know, throughout the world now. And I think that they, that those, those people have you know, tremendous statement on the improvement in their life and what's changed for them. If you read their stories, it's really impressive. It's quite, yeah. quite, yeah. quite amazing. Anyway. Yeah, I've seen some of that. Well, thank you so much um, for being with us. We really appreciate it. As always, you did such an excellent job and great, great work. Thank you very much. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Well, I just a few reminders for our listeners before we leave. I just want to talk to you a little bit about how maybe to take inventory and help your self-esteem and your self-worth. So stop distorted thinking. Um, Stop looking in the mirror and, and seeing something that's not there. Look in the mirror and see what's positive about you. Learn how to love yourself. Give yourself positive affirmations. Remember, as Sue said, you are unique, and that is a very big positive for you. And remember how how much you can give and how far you can help people. So... Again, thanks, everybody. Our callers make the show. If you'd like to hear the show again or any past episodes, you can listen to the podcast on your favorite podcast app by searching Southern Remedy Relatively Speaking. This show is a production of MPB Think Radio and engineered by the beautiful Michelle McAdoo. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and I hope you'll join us next Tuesday at 11 for Relatively Speaking, and that you'll stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now, coming up next on MPB Think Radio.